Hello, friend, and welcome to another episode of Dark Side of the Word, a weekly podcast for all the dark story lovers. I'm here with my authentic CJ. Authentic. Is that a nice way of saying that I say like a lot when we're recording? Why would that be where you go with the word authentic? Because that is just how like I speak and it's not polished. Authentic. Do you know the definition of authentic? True. Yeah. Not fake. Exactly. You're true. You're telling us the truth. You're your real self on here. Yes, I am. Who says like a lot. But what? Listeners, what, what the hell? <laughs> she goes, My authentic self is also very self-deprecating. But your authentic self is true on here, and you, you let the listeners in to your true self, to the struggles, to the life, to the reality, to the, your real thoughts of the world. Okay, we'll go with it. Not your best adjective, but we'll go with God it. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Effervescent was better with the other podcast episode. You may use that one again if you see fit. All right. And to give everyone and their update. pterodactyls are in the background today. Exactly. Sorry. Uh, that's going to happen because I can't stop them. They're birds. Not. Yeah. So they're, they are birds. Not pterodactyls, <laughs> just to be clear. Yeah. Even though I think birds are still technically dinosaurs. They're from the dinosaur mm. age. Yeah. Anyway, we did it again, friends. I'm Kate. I'm here. I'm the. Hi, Kate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow anywho today is probably one of my favorite podcasts i don't know i don't know how to rank these anymore but it's our content recap episode where we share what we've consumed for the past month weeding out the bad from the good so that you don't have to and because my creative side has been bullshit this month i've really consumed <laughs> the content i'm filling up the well nice. i have been filling up the well because like Good. they say, the number one advice to all writers out there is read. Yes, that's true. And I have to say, I 100% agree with that. Reading, so. watching shows, getting just so many ideas from other places, other people, not taking them, but using them as inspiration is absolutely key in staying creative on your own. Well, like, I don't know who's seen it, but Sweet Home Alabama. Oh, wow. who hasn't seen Sweet Home <laughs> Alabama? So as I'm sure you've seen from reading the book Praises, there's the lightning in Sweet Home Alabama, how he gets, like, the artwork from yes, the lightning Yes, I did strikes. think of that immediately. Yeah, that is inspired from Sweet Home Alabama. So that's, like, oh, getting, I you know, it. creative well-filling content to add to, yeah, what's going on. Yeah, that was definitely. <laughs> I love that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That was the first thing I thought of when I read the manuscript. I'm like, oh, I can Sweet Home Alabama. And I'm like, she's probably not going to be happy if I write that, like, in the comments. Oh, no, I would have loved it. <laughs> But anywho, so since I've been too anxious with the house and just what's been going on, it's been content central over here. And then, like uh-huh. I said in the last podcast, I was doing the Sordenberg or however you say his last names, keep like keeping track of everything, which is good yeah. for the podcast because now I know what I'm talking about. It is very helpful. I should start <laughs> doing something like that as well. I use Goodreads for my books, but I don't really keep track of shows or movies unless they're scary movies. And I've been kind of falling off the wagon on that too. I don't know. I'm getting really annoyed with myself for not writing I wish they weren't public but not writing simple thoughts in like my Goodreads review for myself can you do that and not post it publicly I don't know but I just you might be able to like I want because so now I'm I notice with like SEO blog shit people love lists I mean I have yes, to agree I love do. lists too so I've been trying to like put more lists together for this year mm-hmm. uh So last week I had a blog come out about like what are the best romance books to read for Valentine's Day. 
And I, okay. you know, from my, what I read, for the people out there who like their angsty, dark, very abusive relationship. <laughs> I didn't put, thank you. I did not, I did not put the bad ones on there. I kept a few of the bad ones off. But anyway, but as I'm going through reviewing what I've read, I'm like, why did I like this book? I just need like, <laughs> like a little sentence or two to remind me. Yeah. To remind me of like my thoughts. So when I go back to like put together these lists, I know why I'm picking mm. them. <laughs> Yeah. But I also yeah. don't want people to like fucking read that shit on Goodreads. Maybe you need to keep an old school paper book journal. I know a Ugh, lot of people who do that. I do I that for when I'm reading books for reviews. I should do that. But I also, go ahead. Oh, you go, you go. I was going to say, I also, controversial opinion alert, write in my books if they're my own books. I'll write on the back cover, like the inside back cover, because it's the best place not to lose my notes. But you know what's also a good idea for those of us that, you know, like want to stab CJ because of that? <laughs> I also dog note. your pages. Post-it note in your book. I have so many freaking post-it notes. But like, notes. instead of writing it on the back page, write it on a post-it note and put it in there. That's not a bad idea. But then I run out of room, so I need like 20 post-it notes. Well, they have the like notepad ones. That's true, actually. Oh, that's a good idea. I like that. When I get to buy stationery. <laughs> oh, I like this idea. I okay. um, I just like gave everyone a cold shower who are about to murder you. <laughs> I should dox you so that they can go. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> oh my god, do not do that. I well, uh, usually I get library books anyway, so it's okay. and I do not write in library books. Just to be very clear, oh my god, especially to the librarians at my library who may be listening, I do not write in our books. <laughs> yeah, you sent me a screenshot, like a picture of the book you're reading, like a few days ago, and it was all like written in. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. That's because it's my my meditation guide. So I write my little notes about what's important to me and what really stands out. So when I read it next year, I remember. No, but, no. Yeah. I mean, I did start doing it with my therapy book, but that's a whole other thing. Okay, like we. You know. I was an English major in college. No. Like you just wrote like tons of crap all over your books. You highlighted everything. No. You they Can were we just stop falling this apart conversation? by the time God. I was done with like the Jane Austen seminar. <laughs> I want, I want to vomit right now. You're like, God. This <laughs> okay, like... Tell, us, tell us about your books that you have read but not written in. Oh, God, yes, because I don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're just, like, making me have hives right now. Uh, yeah, so I've read so much in January. I read, like, 13 books, roughly, I want to say. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I bumped up my reading goal this year, so. To yeah. what? 125. <gasps> Oh, egads, that is quite the number. I'm, I'm no at 55. I'm normally at 100. Five books. No, I'm normally wow. at 100. But wow. uh, I do, my goal is to read a little bit more manga this year. So, like, I got to give myself a challenge. Okay. okay. Which is a great segue into the first thing, which is the fact that I did read six volumes of Bleach. Bleach. Bleach, yes. That's As in laundry. Yeah, it's, it's a manga. It's a pretty famous okay. manga. Oh. It has, like,. Don't murder me, people. It has like 70 or 80 volumes. All I know is it's like 700 chapters or something insane. Wow. So for all those that really love manga but don't want to pay the high exorbitant prices. So manga books range between $10 and $20 a book. And mm. CJ, to give you an idea of why manga <laughs> is an addiction I do not recommend, is I can okay. read a manga book in 30 minutes. Oh. It's not cost effective. It's not cost effective. Anyway, I found out that Viz and Shonen Jump, God, I'm going to get murdered for mispronouncing everything. Anyway, there are apps. Yeah, Shonen Jump. I got that right. There is an app for Viz, which is one of the publishing companies. And there's an app for Shonen Jump, which is another, what? 
It did that thing again. <laughs> and now there's balloons on your screen. What the hell just happened? It's, it's like doing weird staticky oh. invasion things. That's weird. It must it must be you because your little thingy is blinking in and out like you know those little that blue thing with the yeah. white. I'm not getting anything on my end. Huh? That's so. It's gone now. Okay. Well, I, I don't know what the balloons were about. Real life <laughs> trenches, friends, listeners. Yeah, as I was talking, balloons just went across my video screen. Okay. I don't know. Anyway, so there's apps for the two different publishing ones, which there's a whole reason why there's two. But okay. One's for, like, the girly books and one's for the not girly books. It's hard to describe. Anyway, you can pay, like, $3 a month for unlimited reading of the manga. And so I can read, like, all of Bleach for $3 a month. Okay. Now you have to read it digitally, so it's on your phone or iPad. I know. It took a while to get used to, but come on. Cost-effective? I know, but my eyes, my old lady eyes just cannot you can handle zoom in. more screens. Yeah. I, just looking at a screen, I can't anymore. Anywho, so for our listeners that don't know, though, I think it's great. I've had access to all the bleach. I'm now on chapter, like, 80-something. I don't know. I finished volume 14, so if that helps with anyone. So, yeah, so it's great. So I did that. Um, it's getting really good. It's definitely dark. It's essentially about soul reapers who go and kill these, like, nasty souls that have lost, like, their heart. And this guy has abilities to see souls, and he sees a soul reaper, and she, in protecting him, ends up printing herself, so he has to take on her powers and become a soul reaper for a little while, yada, yada, yada. So it's very dark. It's a lot of fun. Great cast. Super special people who don't know how powerful they are. That's definitely a trope I love. <laughs> then, the show is in one. <laughs> then, I, I'm so excited to talk about this book. I read The Dead Take the Train Take the A Train by Cassandra Ka. <laughs> right, we're gonna we're good. I have something to say about this once you're done, by the way. So uh, let me know. Okay, so when you're done. I had sent this book to CJ as like a podcast book possibility and she like shot me down so hard. Yep. And I went to the library in December at the after Christmas and this book was on the shelf. It did not have to pre order like put it on hold, mm-hmm. it was on the shelf. Mm-hmm. So I was like, yeah, let me give it a try. It was amazing. I was obsessed with it. It is so good. If you like Ninth House, you like Alex from Ninth House, you like that dark, like there's magic in our world, but it's not super obvious, but it's not like hidden as in Harry Potter. It's more out in the world. You have to have certain abilities and all this stuff. It is amazing. We have a really strong Alex-like character in it. We have interesting magic system that's different. We have a dark, gritty cast and characters. And I'm sorry for the birds, but we're going to keep going. (laughs) It was a load of fun. Let me see. It has... Oh, I was super... The whole time I was reading it, I kept getting Angel vibes. The show Angel. Mm -hmm. Because Angel has the lawyers who deal with the dark arts. Oh, yeah, the law yeah. firm. There's a law mm-hmm. firm in the book that has the dark arts, just like Angel. So I was very much like nice. Angel vibes. So if you like the Angel, this had the... I just loved The characters were great. The writing was a lot of fun. I cannot wait for the next book. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. I know you're not so, going to like it. You didn't like Ninth House. Well, okay. So I want to explain to our listeners why I was so set against <laughs> The Dead Take the A Train by Cassandra Kaw. So I read last year, I think it was... A book called Nothing, a novella actually called Nothing But Blackened Teeth by Cassandra Kaw. And the 
book has an amazing cover. It looks spooky as hell. And I was like, this is going to be freaking great. And then I saw the title, which is Nothing But Blackened Teeth, which is an amazing title. I'm like, this is going to be great. I start reading it. This book, the only way I can describe it is flaming hot garbage. It is <laughs> the worst writing I have probably ever seen. It's like pretentious bullshit that a person who thinks they're good at writing would write and actually is really horrible at writing. And I don't like to say this about people because I know what goes into writing, but this honestly was some of the worst stuff I have ever read in my entire life. So when Kate, you were like, we should read The Dead Take the A-Train, I'm like, there's no way this woman could ever write anything I would read again. So I was looking on Goodreads and I found that The Dead Take the A-Train is by two authors, Cassandra Kaw and Richard Cadry. And I'm convinced that this Richard Cadry, whoever he is, is the one who has made Cassandra Kaw's writing palatable because otherwise she can't pull this off on her own. I was going to say that it is is co-authored by two people Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. it looks like he wrote a book called Sandman Slim at one point. Oh, okay. I've never uh, heard of him either. Yeah. But, yeah, maybe I, I am going to give one of her other books a chance. The Salt Grows Heavy is the one I'm going to give a try. Okay. Uh, read read oh. Nothing But Blackened Teeth. I really want to know your take on that and see how it compares to The Dead Take the A-Train because Nothing But Blackened Teeth is so specific in how awful the writing is. She, I doubt it has anything of that same in this other book. She really likes her novellas. Like nothing is a, a full length book. Yeah. As far like I, as far as all the ones I've clicked on, they're all about a hundred pages. That's shocking. I hate novellas. I would not have read the Black and Teeth one being as short as it is. Yeah, I didn't know there was a novella going into it. I just saw the title, I saw the cover, and I'm like, this sounds. And then I read like the description. I'm like, this sounds awesome. It was anything but. Which is so... funny because your comment was, "Oh my God, there's more than one book." <laughs> when I was talking about the Dead Take the A Train. <laughs> Well, yeah. I loved it. I knew you wouldn't like it. I really don't think it's for you anyway. But it's fair. Uh, it's of the vibe of the type of dark books I really like. So if you are, if you lean towards the Kate side of content and you like what mm. I like, I highly recommend this book. It was great. It was different. It was gritty. It had a strong heroine, but also who makes a lot of fuck up mistakes. It was dark. <laughs> it was very dark. <laughs> And Which is good for our podcast. Yeah, we're not in the Daisy realm anymore. No. And then the last book I wanted to talk about, which I feel that I might be very of not the norm, was The Library of the Dead. Have you read it? I can't remember. Library of the Dead? Yes. No. By T.L. Hucho. God, I hate no. pronouncing these names. I have not. Uh, yeah, it's a very large nope. It's Nope. It okay. is a no, like it is bad. It is oh. so bad. Which I was really excited about it because it's supposed to, it's set in, uh, it's set in Scotland, which made me really excited because yes. I love Scotland. It's essentially okay. So one of the main problems with this book is it keeps alluding that we are in a a post apocalyptic world, that mm-hmm. there's not good order. Somehow they still have a king reigning, but. They talk, like at one time the character talks about how there's not even a fence around the school anymore because of the metal shortage and they even were so, the people were so bad to take the fencing from the school because they were so desperate for metal. And she talks about like she lives in like an airstream, like a trailer, camper trailer with her grandmother and her little sister and how she has no money for food. So it was just really weird and essentially the protagonist can see ghosts. So magic exists in this world, and it's essentially licensed out. 
So she has a license to be able to see ghosts. So she goes and she sees ghosts. And the only way she can see the ghosts is by playing instruments, hitting a certain wavelength of music to make their voices come through to people. I guess is how she describes it. Interesting. So she takes their messages and then she goes to the family and they pay her to deliver the message from the dead. And then she, like, stuff's been happening to little kids. They show up kind of very Benjamin Button-like. They show up, like, old. And she sneaks into the secret society library where (laughs) she's trying to find information so she can stop this from happening. The fact that this thing was called Library of the Dead... I expect it to be very Library of the Dead. Yes, one okay. would. That wasn't it. Then oh, the no. other thing that made me so mad was that the writing was atrocious. Uh-oh. Atrocious. Okay. The re- author tried to make the character have... So it's all in first person. So he tried to give her, like, spunk and spice. But instead said lines like, I pointed the stabby stabby end at her. No, I mean, really? should, yes, I'm dead serious. It was so bad. It oh. was horrendous. And then, instead of being consistent, there would be times <laughs> that the writing would get good, I'd say, like normal. Okay. And then it would go back, and it's all in first person, so it needs to be in the tone of the character the whole time. And then yeah. it would slip back, and you'd forget that, oh, yeah, this is how he, this is how the author was writing it. Oh, cool. <laughs> But yeah, it literally was, I made sure to point the stabby stabby end at her. Okay. Yeah. One stabby would have been okay. <laughs> stabby end. Okay, sure. Yeah. It's an adjective. There's three more books to this, or two more books this year. There's three total. Going to be reading them? No. <laughs> I gave it a one star. Shocker. One You know, I don't, yeah, that's how mad I was getting. Like, this book has won awards. It has been highly read. Like, I have seen it on multiple lists, and I am, I'm having a come-to-Jesus moment of, like, how? Yeah. How? Yep. It was not good. It was it's, not It's good. shocking what some people love and what some people don't. And it just, the world was never explained either. Like, we don't know what happened. The world just exists mm. as it is. And it was very frustrating. So... That would be frustrating. Those yes. are the books that I'm talking about. So next. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, I have not read 12 books this past month. I only read about four. And one of them was the book, uh, Lone Women, for our podcast. So we'll make it three. But I'm only going to talk about two. <laughs> um, so this will, my, my portion of this segment will be considerably shorter. Um, so the first one that I'll talk about is The It Girl, which came out last year from Ruth Ware. I'm pretty sure everybody knows who Ruth Ware is. She has a ton of bestsellers. I have a very hot and cold relationship with Ruth Ware books. Like, I love The Turn of the Key, which I reviewed a while back on wellreadchart.com, and I thought I would love The Death of Mrs. Wessaway, but I couldn't get into that one. And then her other books, I'm kind of here and there all over. I'll seem to love one and then hate one, love one, and then hate one. The It Girl, I actually liked. It was pretty entertaining, even though there's nothing terribly unique about it. Did I know who the killer was very early on? Yes. Did that diminish my enjoyment of reading the story and learning about the characters and watching everything unfold? No. It was just, I was just happy to just go back to the book and keep reading. Because overall, I like how Ruth Ware writes, for the most part. Sometimes I don't, but for the most part, I like how she writes. It's set up at a... I'm Hmm? shook. I didn't realize I read two of her books. Oh, really? Which ones did you read? The Woman in Cabin 10. Okay, I like that one. In a Dark, Dark Wood. I did not like that one. I don't remember reading them. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, her books are never terribly, as I said, it wasn't terribly unique. Her, when A Dark, Dark Wood came out, In A Dark, Dark Wood, I wasn't impressed with it. I, again, knew what was kind of happening early on. And I was kind of shocked at how much sensation her book was causing in the literary world because she'd be, she just blew up right away. And it wasn't until I read Woman in Cabin 10 that I started to really like her work and appreciate her writing more. And now I can pretty much fall into her writing and enjoy it, even if the story isn't too unique or shocking or, I don't know, entertaining, I guess. But this one was pretty good. If you like a thriller that's a little bit murder mystery, that involves complicated relationships and love triangles and has a little bit of crazy rich Asian vibes, um, give this one a try. It's set at a fictional college that's part of Oxford. And I always love stories that are set at old... Uh, UK universities like Oxford or Cambridge because I just love that being steeped in academia vibe. So but she I didn't like it. It Ninth House. But I, that is not a UK university. I may point. I knew you were going to point that out. <laughs> I knew you were going to bring that up. But that was not UK. That was Connecticut. So a little different. A little different. Um, and then the other book that I'm going to talk about today is The Fury. Um, which I did also review very recently on wellreadchart.com. It is the new thriller by Alex Michalides. So I don't know if I'm saying his name right, but he wrote the bestseller, The Silent Patient, which I did not read. This has come up a lot on uh, different book lists I've been seeing. That is why I wanted to bring it up. Oh, no. So he also wrote The Maidens, which I did read and I enjoyed. And this, I believe, is his third book, and I would say it is probably the worst. It is, it's not a bad story, but number one, it's very predictable. And number two, the narrator is extremely annoying. Like, you're not supposed to like him, and I get that. I'm all for unlikable protagonists, but this guy is just such a whiny little bitch. And I hated every <laughs> single time the story went back to him in any form, in any timelines. We see his past, present, and stuff. And just, no, I just, I could, I read the whole thing, but I did not really enjoy it. Um, but the hype of, I wanted to talk about because the hype around this book right now is incredible. It's from Celadon Books. I received a free arc that I actually did not ask for. I think I got it because I signed up to receive The Maidens when it published a few years ago, and Celadon kindly left me on their mailing list. So I just happened to get an arc. It came in. It had a pretty cover, and there was like a ton of promo info with it, so I started reading it. And then about a week or two later, I ended up getting more promotional material for the audiobook of The Fury, and it was a fake playbill, which is very creative. So the the story of The Fury focuses on Broadway stars and Hollywood stars. So they made a fake Broadway playbill to promote The Fury as if it were a play, and the characters in the book as if they were characters in the play, which is very creative. But this had to be so expensive, like to create these, to print these, to mail them out, snail mail them out to so many people, to advertise a book that honestly, I just don't feel is worth it. I can confidently say that the money spent to promote The Fury would have been better spent to promote three or four other books from Celadon than just this one book. And I feel like this is such a problem in publishing days where publishers just throw a bunch of money at one big name, even if the title isn't that good, while so many other authors, and Kate, you've mentioned this before, have to push their own books and promote their own books because the publishers won't help them as much and this is just a case i remember when the silent patient came out and it was just took the the world by storm yeah hot take i dnf'd it oh really (laughs) yeah okay okay i uh i just you know i read this one but it's not it's not worth the hype it's good it's fine it's it's fine that's about the best i can say for it's fine is it worth the gads of money that 
are being put into it to promote it? No, I don't think so. I have not met one person so far that has liked the Fury. Some several people have also DNF'd it. That's crazy. Like I have just seen it yeah. everywhere because it has such a distinct cover that you can't miss it. Yeah, it almost literally looks like eyeball. And so yeah. I've just been like seeing it everywhere, and I didn't know it was the same author that did a Silent Patient. Yeah, but and that, there's like some yeah. Easter eggs to Silent Patient and the Maidens in there, which are kind of cool. And the part that I did like about the book is that it takes place on a private Greek island. So anything involving luxury resort, being the guest of a very famous rich Hollywood star, all great. But anytime that fucking narrator comes in and just starts yammering on, you're just like, oh my God, just put a cork in it already. And that's pretty much the entire book. Wow. So that was disappointing. So if you have read The Fury, I want people to chime in. Like, if you like The Fury, please let me know because I haven't found you people yet. <laughs> it just shows you how messed up the publishing industry really is and what they throw their money to. It's They're just yeah. essentially throwing shit at a wall, hoping that something sticks. And because Silent yeah. Patient stuck, yeah, exactly. they're like, oh, well, here's an author that's proven himself. Let's see if we can actually, like, do it again, which... yeah. Which hurts because there's so many unique new books out there yes, that exactly. don't get the same treatment. Exactly. That is exactly my point. And it, and it hurts to see because this one, it was fine, but it wasn't worth what they've put into it. And just because, I feel like just because you had one great bestseller doesn't mean that you should automatically get the Hollywood treatment because you still got to keep it up. You got to keep writing good content. And not everything's going to be good. That's just what happens when you write a ton of books. And that's okay. But And I never even know, heard of The Maiden. So it's not like his second the book. The Maiden's. But maybe this okay. is the new Where the Crawdads Sings. They're just hoping. Maybe. That, that was a fantastic book, Where the Crawdads Sings. I, I love that one. I don't like that those kinds of books, but fantastic. I loved it. Mm-hmm. It also made me homesick, so. Um. <laughs> but before we get to our digital content, everyone, I just wanted to let you know today's episode is sponsored by A Well-Read Tart. Are you tired of the book Hangover and wish that you could live in the story a little longer? Do you like to cook or bake? Well, it's time for you to check out A Well-Read Tart, the blog where you can read book reviews and find delicious recipes inspired by each story. Whether it's a decadent dessert or a scrumptious dinner, you'll be able to relive your favorite book all over again. Visit the blog to search for recipe you'll love, then check out its corresponding book review. Or you can read CJ's thoughts on that new bestseller you've been eyeing up, then click on the recipe inspired by that story. Either way, visit www.wellreadtart.com or, or our show notes and let a red, red and let a well-read tart inspire you in the kitchen and the library. Also, I wanted to talk to you all about developmental editing, which is a huge part of the book publishing process. It helps your story be fully fleshed out, checks for story and character arcs, catches story errors that you may have missed, and polishes your story so that readers will rave about your plot. Many self-published writers skip this step because they don't understand how vital it is or the exorbitant prices turn them away. However, this is an important step that all traditionally published authors must go through and can't be skipped. I've reviewed many books for self-published authors that would have been amazing if they had been able to get their books developmentally edited, which is why I wanted to help this year. After developmentally editing for years, I've decided to make my services more affordable by starting them at $1,000. Full details of my services are available on my developmental editing page on Dark Side of the Word or use the link below in the show notes. And I just have to say, friends, this is the last time I will be recording at my in-law's house. So if you are annoyed by the background menagerie, it will be gone. Please don't stop listening. I know it doesn't sound very professional. I am at my rope's end. Just please. I promise. I promise. I promise. I feel like we should call this collection of like four or five episodes the circus collection or something like that. And so one day when we're big and famous, we'll be like, do you remember the circus collection episodes and how crazy they were? Those were some unique episodes. Yes. I, they're they're now the circus episodes. I mean, if you, the circus listeners, episodes. if you're annoyed, 
I'm more annoyed. <laughs> I'm greatly this. entertained just to throw that out there. It sounds like the, the Jurassic Park soundtrack oh, in the background God, to me. God. Let's see. Seven, seven dogs, four cats, two birds, two lizards. And a partridge in a pear tree. <laughs> All right, friend. Do you want to talk about the content, the digital content you've consumed in the no. past month? Well, okay. <laughs> no, I totally will. Okay. <laughs> All right. So I have not watched any movies because I really don't know what movies to say. I but gave watched... you a movie recommendation. I gave you two, but I gave you one that was podcast worthy. What was it? Totally Killer, which I'm going to talk about today. Okay. Is that the one your friend did? No. No, 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 no. no. This is. Uh... I forgot the name of that one. I've been meaning to ask you for that one. Oh, shit. What's I... the name of that one again? I'm a great All right, you look at that. (laughs) Okay, so, but I will talk about TV series that I have been watching. Um, So I tried watching this show, Discovery of Witches. So if you're a Tartlet, you know that I tried reading The Discovery of Witches, the first book in the All Souls trilogy, and I hated it. I DNF'd it. We do know this? Because basically, huh? We do know this? Well, if you follow the blog, yes, you know Uh, that. Okay. Um, so basically I feel it's Twilight meets Harry Potter, but for adults, but not nearly as well done in my opinion. But I was disappointed because the premise just sounds really fun and spooky and dark academia dish, again with like the Oxford and the Cambridge vibes that I love so much and the other stuff. But the book was just super slow for me. So people told me that I might like the TV show since it cuts out a lot of the long winded parts of the book that just I couldn't get into. So I tried watching the TV show. I made it three episodes in and then I stopped watching. Oh, isn't it on I some know. weird channel too? It's on something. I had like a free yeah. subscription or trial period. So I started watching it and I found it just as annoying as the book. Like the acting is really bad. I feel like there's zero chemistry between the main characters, both in the show and the book. It just translated right to the show. And other than the amazingly cozy looking sweaters that the main character is wearing, I found nothing to recommend the show to me. And I was disappointed yet again. So I just think I'm not a Discovery of Witches fan, unfortunately. That makes me so sad because it's definitely on my list. You should try it because so many people love it. I compared it. I kept comparing it to Twilight in my head, which I know people are going to yell at me for. I absolutely loved. And Kate, I know you did too. So to me, this was like the poor man's Twilight. And I know people are like, how how can you even say that? Because Twilight was so awful. But I (gasps) loved it. I went to Forks, everyone. I went to Forks. (laughs) It's Twilight meets Harry Potter for adults, but much slower. And the beginning's not too bad because it has all those dark academia vibes, like I said, but it just takes a while to get to where you're going. And I can't believe there are three books about this. So I, I think you should try because mostly everybody I know who has read it absolutely loved it. So right. you give it a shot yeah, and you let us know what you think. If people love Twilight, though, they actually love it, but want a better version of Twilight, they should read Crave. Yes, the books are amazing. The one I'm working on right now, which is the second from the last one, is not good. I will say <laughs> it is not good, but the rest are really, really good. Okay, Crave. Yeah, it's literally Twilight. Like her parents die. Mm. She has to go to, this time it's Alaska oh, I instead like of Alaska. Washington, but way better heroin. Hilarious writing. Okay. I wouldn't say better writing. I just said hilarious. Hilarious writing. But Noted. Also way better love interest. Like, whew, whew. I, I found Edward to be quite compelling, but okay. Well, this one. Okay. I also All am right. an Edward fan. Ah, oh, 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 okay. Maybe I will pick up some <laughs> Crave then. All right. 
the real oh god I'm gonna spoil something for a minute the real love interest comes in book two anyway the oh, Edward is in book one okay or not Edward sorry the Jacob is in book one <laughs> Oh, a little backwards. Okay, interesting. So I did look it up while you were talking. It is called Dying yes. to Sleep. Dying to Sleep. Yes. Okay. It is for rent on Amazon for $3. But I would also okay. love to say that it has 190 reviews on IMDb. Are they good reviews? It has an average of 8.5 out of 10. Oh, that's really good. I'm just impressed that that many people have reviewed it. So, okay. That's I, awesome. I did give it a really high rating. Because well, of course, it's you know a them. Really great concept, and I want to do really well. But I'm, I'm not saying it's like amazing. But the concept's really cool, and it has a good twist at the end. And I really appreciate what they did for like no budget and you know okay. his first work. He acts a lot, but he this is his first like work that he's created himself. So, all right, I will give Dying to Sleep a shot then. Yes. Um. Okay. So, Discovery of Witches. Okay, Discovery of Witches, and then the other thing, I'm continuing my theme of discovering WB shows that haven't been on the air for at least a decade. If you remember from last season of the podcast, I was watching Gilmore Girls for the first time. I have started watching Supernatural, which is admittedly a little bit gory for me and definitely a lot too tortury for me, but I absolutely I can't love do it. it. I tried again because I, when it first came out, I probably watched the first five seasons in real time. Yeah. But then I was like, oh, I haven't finished it. It's been on for so long. It's still really loved. Like, mm-hmm. I want to, like, rewatch from the beginning continue. I don't know why, but I can't do it anymore. It scares the shit out of me. It is very it is very dark. It is very intense. I'm honestly shocked this was on probably at, like, 8 or 9 o'clock oh, yeah. on it an was. evening mm-hmm. and, and back in the day. Because now this would be, like, an 11 p.m. type show oh, yeah. with all the torture. A lot of torture. And I hate things with torture. I have to watch a lot of scenes with my glasses off because when I have my glasses off, I can't see a damn thing. And my husband has to tell me, like, okay, it's okay to look. And sometimes we have to mute it as well because I don't like the sound of torture either. So I have missed some key parts. But overall... I'm loving it. I love the ghost stuff. I love the spooky stuff. I love the lore and the mythology in there. There's a whole heaven versus hell storyline that weaves through a few seasons. And I love the character Cass, who is an angel. And he's hilarious. Just absolutely hilarious. Um, And the best part about the show is that there's 17 seasons. And the first seasons have at least 23 episodes. So we can binge four or five episodes in a row and still not run out of episodes to watch, which is unheard of these days. So I absolutely am love it. And I stopped watching Gilmore Girls because what? once Rory dropped out of Yale, I just lost interest in the whole Wait, thing. Wait, what season is that? I can't remember now. Five? No, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. Please. But it's so no, annoying it gets be- right it, now. No, it gets better. I, I started to lose interest when she first got to college and she started sleeping with her married ex-boyfriend. I'm like, Rory. No. We are, we are making poor decisions. We need to have and I the, get we do that sometimes, but I expected better. We need to have the real, the real guy show up. The real guy? Yeah. She has, like, a real relationship in college. Is it the guy, the blonde guy? Yes. Oh, he's such a jerk, though. God, you can't bail in the world. The, the you got to finish. Guy? you got to finish. Uh, no, I don't want to. Uh, okay. <laughs> and for all the Supernatural fans out there, because yes. I, I have shared with her the most... The best moment. I sent you a YouTube video in the chat. Okay. Of the best moment that ever was created from Supernatural. And when we are done here, you need to... So pull it up so you don't lose the link. But you need to watch this when we are done recording. And if you are a true Supernatural fan, friends, it's the Jared Ackles moment. We all know what this is. I'm not going to spoil it. Wait. 
Jensen Ackles or oh. Jared Padalecki? Jensen Ackles, sorry. Is he Dean or yeah, is he? Yeah, Dean, it's Dean. He's Dean, okay. It's Dean, yeah, yeah. I have problems with that name because that is my father's name. So it is very hard for me to romanticize anybody with that name. Oh, that's funny. So that's a bit of a mental block right there. But Do you yeah. remember when that actor was on Dawson's Creek? No, I haven't watched Dawson's Creek. He played CJ. He played CJ. Oh, my God. He played <laughs> CJ on Dawson's Creek, who was, like, dating Jen for, like, a hot second and then dated Audrey. And then he left very swiftly. And then I think he that's when he started to do Supernatural. Ooh. Uh, Dawson's Creek is on my list to watch. I'm trying to watch the OC right now and failing miserably, so. I'm sorry. What? You have not seen Dawson's Creek? No. Ever? No. Ever. You haven't seen Gilmore Girls, so let's just end the conversation there. You're about Fine. to bail on it. Fine. Also, Fine. you haven't seen One Tree Hill, and that's a problem. Who was also on Dawson's Creek, Chad Michael Murray. Oh, he's so hot. Even now, he was even so now, hot. even now, he is still just really? as hot. Yes. I haven't seen him. Google images of him now. He has like a six pack. He is hot as hell right now. Okay. Yeah. I will Google while you talk about your okay. TV show. You need to watch, when Supernatural's over, you need to watch One Tree Hill. It is the emo, great, awesome show. Okay. I'm not very emo. You know that about me, though. Well, give it a try. All right. So I actually have four things I want to talk about. One Ooh. one of them is a PSA to everyone, which will be the last one. But speaking of your loving dark academia from, like, the British academia. Okay. So this one's yes. Oxford. Ooh. I watched Saltburn. I don't know if you've seen the trailer. I've heard of that. <laughs> so it's by the same person who said... A Promising Young Woman. So it's the same writer-director who did A Promising oh. Young Woman. Okay. Um, it's not at all what I expected. Uh, I feel like I'm scarred. <laughs> I am scarred. It is on Prime right now, so it's available for streaming. Yeah, I'm scarred. <laughs> I didn't tell you how much I'm scarred. You seem very scarred. Yeah. I'm happy I watched it, but I'm scarred. However, cinematography-wise and directing-wise, it is the same person who did Babylon. The cinematographer is the same one from Babylon. I love Babylon for the like the whole imagery of it all. So he did Saltburn, a fantastic. The lighting, the setting. So it starts mm-hmm. at Oxford and then they go to like a castle. Oh. The lighting, the setting, the the actual like camera angles. Every oh my god, I could just lick this movie up and down. Like I. <laughs> If anything I take away from this movie, outside of the one scene, um, yeah. Yeah. Wait, why are you scarred? Is this like how I went to go see that J-Lo movie where she goes into serial killer's dreams and the guy gets his nipples cut off? Like, I was scarred from that. Is like it along those kind of lines scarred? No. Not in, like, the death sense. Okay, I kind of want like to... Like, the tearing of nipples sense. How about that? No. Which I realize is oddly specific. I'm going to, like, give, like, of. a slight, like, not a spoiler, because I'm not going to give you the details or anything of, like, what's going on and what, who, what, blah, blah, blah. But there's a whole on sex scene with a gra- grave. A grave? With a grave. Okay. I'm, I'm actually very intrigued right now. Like a... Oh. Like in, a... In the dirt. Yeah. I'm giving her, like... Oh, that's not what I was thinking at all. Okay, I was thinking like a monument or something. No, and I'm like, oh, the dirt. that's. However, in the same way that I'm scarred and can't look away, I'm also like, holy shit, this is a beautiful shot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've had it those is, moments too. As much as it is disturbing, it is. Pro- I don't know. I also like kind of reverently love it in a weird way. 
What is this called again? Salt, salt burn. something? Salt burn. Salt one burn. Word. Yeah, one word. Is it a horror movie? No. Okay, no. Okay, that was a question. There's like death the in it, but you don't really see the death. Like it, that's drama. Yeah, but on the darker side. Okay, I'm intrigued. It's not what the description sounds like. It's uh, to me, it was like, oh, I think two boys are gonna go. Like they go to Australia, they're gonna go. They have like a a a, a tryst, a tawdry affair. Yeah, a tawdry affair at the castle <gasps> during summer oh, vacation. That sounds lovely. It's not what it's about. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So and it's based on like oh sit no. O oh, two, oh, like okay. so, yeah. Which is kind of fun because you have like this little like blast in the past. They very much bring up like mm-hmm. the early aughts into all of this. Um, so yeah, it's hard to describe without giving stuff away. But I really loved it, but also like didn't like on the same side that I sat here completely absorbed in like the setting and the cinematography. It lacked the movie lacked some meat to sink your teeth into, and at times mm-hmm. like I was almost like, what's the point of this movie? And you don't really see the point of what's happening until the very very end. And then when you see what happened, you kind of feel better about the movie. You're like, oh, my God, this is great. But the whole time you're just like, what's happening? Like, what, what's the point? At least the point shows up. Yeah, There's it a does. lot of things where the point doesn't show up. And you're like, I wasted 2.5 hours for absolutely nothing. And kind of the last scene in the whole movie, which I can't tell you because it's going to give the whole thing away, kind of like makes up for what, sitting through the whole thing. It's hilarious. So I think you should watch it. It's, it's I'm intrigued. Prime, I'm, so watch I'm very it. intrigued. For that one scene alone that left you scarred, I'm very intrigued because I'm a little weirdo. And that's not the this only, is a dark podcast. It's not the only like scene that kind of scarred me. And I'll, I'll tell you after you watch it. Wait, any any ocular trauma? No. Like with, okay. So it's weird okay. because there's like, there is some like gore and stuff, but it's very interesting how they did it. And it's not that gory. When you see it, you'll understand what I mean. Okay. So yeah, I watched I that. I also, to, <laughs> CJ talked about this last content recap. I watched Mother. Oh, yeah. Watched Mother. Okay, Mother was more scarring than Saltburn. <laughs> For those that don't know, Mother is a documentary about this woman who called herself Mother God, and she had Father Gods, and she essentially... Yeah, now you know what you're talking about. So it's love, a, love is One is the documentary yeah. oh, name. I thought it was called Mother. No, Mother's that other one by Darren Aronofsky that you were telling me about. I also thought this one was called Mother. Okay, wait. It's, it's called Love Has Won the Cult of Mother okay. God. Okay, Love Has Won the Cult of Mother. And... It was very, because it's real, like, she essentially kills herself by drinking the colloidal silver and Mm. liquor and all this stuff, essentially mummifies herself and dies. It was very scarring. It is insane to watch how the people came into this spirituality cult, I don't know how else to call it, and that they are still practicing some of them. So, yeah, uh, disturbing. Uh, Very good, though. I don't regret watching it, but... Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I like watch things like that and I think about how we're into like manifesting now. And I'm like, are we are we a new version of the cult of Mother God? Mm-hmm. Like at what point do we say, you know what? No, this is this is too much. So for at the me. beginning when she was talking about some of her like, things and belief systems, I was like, She's not yeah. wrong entirely. <laughs> the minute like someone says Robin Williams gave me a message. I'm like, okay, I'm out. <laughs> so we're going to talk about lying. I also watched The Creator, which is a movie essentially about AIs in the future. Oh, I remember when that one was coming out. It's, it's not scary. Out of me. It's not. No. no. It is horrible. 
The oh. sound editing alone is disgusting. Like they put the music in it. They did not time it well at the movie at all. So you're just sitting here like, what's the point? Why'd you pick this song? What's going on? The editing is horrendous. The jumping from scenes, the how they did it. The movie is way too long. Hmm. We don't get anywhere. We're just from action scene to action scene to like running away to action to running like there's no meat or bones to sink your teeth into to allow you to be able to set into it also it's very jarring it's not ai scary at all it's massively predictable at like the very beginning of the movie i figured it out and then mm. it, it borders on canceling and i know i don't i don't cancel shit oh. but the writer has some serious like issues with the asian culture like he really does oh. not goodness it's bad it's really bad like when you watch it you're just like i did no one like kind of like check this movie first because you're really like you have an issue yeah so you know it's interesting that you say that this movie is so bad because when it first came out when it was first advertised uh it was coming out right when ai was Mm -hmm. making all the news and i wondered if they just pushed this out quickly and came up with it quickly, pushed it out quickly, just to coincide with the whole AI craze. And now that you're saying that it looks looks very rushed and poorly done and poorly edited and all that, I, maybe it was. Maybe it was just something made up and shot and put out within six months. Well, I'm not... I'm the exception to the norm. So if you actually go look at people who talk about this movie... So supposedly this movie breaks a whole bunch of... Uh, not box office, but... Barriers? Barriers, thank you. Because it is essentially one of the cheapest budgeted sci-fi movies that does not look cheap like supposedly the budget that they worked with and what they were able to Mm -hmm. pull off is astronomically amazing and it's essentially changing the entire game of making sci-fi movies and so everyone think it looks cheap no it didn't i actually was very impressed they have futuristic laser guns and stuff like that and it like star wars style kind and it was Mm -hmm. amazingly done like, I didn't okay. actually realize that the budget that they had was as small as it was, especially because okay. they got uh, the lead actor. don't remember his name now. Uh, he is definitely one of the high paid. He was in Tenet. The lead actor was in Tenet. So he's not a cheap actor. John David Washington is the lead in it. Um, it's also very kind to AIs. Mm. They have their very personality like it's a very a fight of you know now that ais are advanced and are people essentially like how do we treat Mm. them uh yeah it just it wasn't good it wasn't worth it i really forgot watching it nope Mm. nope i wasn't gonna watch it still not gonna watch it thank you though for that recap you wouldn't be scared at all it's not scary about ai taking over it's not like terminator doesn't matter don't watch the movie ai then I did. That terrified you did? Me. Oh, I love that movie. <laughs> and the last thing I wanted to talk, I actually want to talk about it real quick because I wanted to give everyone a PSA on <laughs> this because I am horrified and kind of upset that this is what's getting made. But I watched the miniseries Beef, which has Ali Wong in it. And I just tell everyone, do not watch this. Do not watch this. I don't care if it won awards. Do not watch it. It is the most depressing seriously mentally unstable movie or show i guess is technically the term it romanticizes depression and anger and issues and the ending doesn't even show the characters making an arc of getting better from all this but i was excited because at the very beginning it was kind of funny but 
it starts with a road rage moment and then how these characters escalate it further and further and further and to the point that like people die and bad really bad shit happens and how they literally just essentially destroy each other's lives and it wasn't good and it made me really upset to the point that i sat there and was like why am i watching this is definitely destroying my mental health wow yes and it didn't, like I said, the ending didn't even make it to where they had a message at the end to, like, say, don't do this. Like, let's be happy. Let's work through it. Oh, be okay. kind to others. No. Hmm. Except to say, like, oh, look, don't be a road rage because you might end up losing everything. It reminded me of, like, this trend of everything being made of, like, based on a true story, euphoria, euphoria, idol, all of that. It definitely goes on this trend where we're just making these, like, how sick and disgusting can we make a television show? Oh, I hate that. I hate that. Yeah. And it wasn't funny. I thought it'd be funny because at the beginning, mm-hmm. actually, when they're having a road, the road rage is a little funny because the Ali Wong's driving the first car and she's like chucking her soda at him and her lettuce from her grocery <laughs> shop. I was like, oh my god, this is hilarious. These people are being dumbasses, but this is funny. Nope. 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 So that's my PSA. Don't watch it. It's on Netflix. Noted. Don't watch it. <laughs> okay. I will not watch it. Well, we have hit a milestone number for this podcast of length. So if you don't have oh, anything goodness. else. Maybe we should wrap it up. <laughs> I think we should wrap it up. All right. Well, I just want to remind everyone that February's book is The House of Last Resort by Christopher Golden. If you'd like to help support us, you can use one of our affiliate links in the show notes to buy your copy. At no extra cost to you, it does give us a little tiny kickback and helps us keep the show on. But anyway, thank you for listening to The Dark Side of the Word, a podcast for all the dark story lovers. If you're listening to us on YouTube, then please subscribe and give this video a thumbs up. We're also a podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and iHeart. Make sure to follow us and check out our weekly polls and questions if you're listening on Spotify. We'd also love a review. Leaving a review on our page is the equivalent of tipping your waiter. Thank you so much, friends. Bye! Bye!